0: Gary Cook here, and welcome to my podcast on the Senior Times platform. Well, today we continue our series of rugby legends, and my guest today is certainly one of those. In the history of the game, surely no one has been talked about in more glowing terms, both on and off the pitch touched by grace with silk in his boots fleet of foot a triple crown winner and a british and irish lion brains inspiration cool under pressure and tougher than you'd think he is even rumored to have been called a genius by the writer samuel beckett i am of course talking about fly half ollie campbell ollie you are very welcome to the podcast
1: Gary, thank you very much, and thank you for that introduction. Wow. Uh, Tony O'Reilly uh, always had this uh, saying that all former Irish rugby internationals eventually get to the uh, stage where it seems that uh, the older they get, the better they used to have played. <laughs> so I think that <laughs> So, uh, look, thank you very much for that introduction.
0: Uh, well, the question I have to ask you in the first question is nothing to do with uh, rugby, but is it true that Samuel Beckett expressed uh, a preference for your talents? Apparently so.
1: Yes, apparently <laughs> so. Um, now, I, I, a good, very good friend of mine told me this, oh, it's probably oh, it's probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, and apparently it's true. Yes, apparently so. He was a big rugby fan. Um, he was a big cricket fan as well, but a big rugby fan. And apparently, he had two things in his apartment to remind him of Ireland.
0: Yeah. yeah and one of them was a photograph of me in my playing gear. <laughs> I tell you, there's many actors in the world who would have dreamed of such
1: an <laughs> I know. Exalted. It's, I think... Now, I'm not sure what the other one was. I think, I think... It was an image of the Hapney Bridge, but I'm not 100% uh, sure of that. But I was uh, I was told on very good authority that uh, which is which is quite extraordinary. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I I, 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 di- I wasn't aware of this while he was alive. Okay. But, um, so yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a there's a, a Samuel Beckett school. Uh, that it's it's a it's 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 an annual event that happens up in uh every every it's generally every late July stroke August and it's it's lectures about Samuel Beckett and I've actually been asked to speak at it I was asked I, it, I was asked to speak at it actually last year but obviously with the pandemic and that it's been. It's uh, It was postponed. Uh, so that's, uh, so, yes, so it seems that's uh, remarkable, remarkable. Strange, strange, but true, Gary. Strange, but true.
0: Well, it, not too many rugby players, you can say, that, um, that their mug uh, is on the wall of one of the world's greatest ever writers. It is, it is just, uh, it's just, too too exciting, and indeed, uh, Ollie. With respect to Samuel Beckett's passion for rugby, uh, I'm wondering what did you make of the recent Six Nations Championship?
1: Well, it was one of the best Six Nations we've had in recent years, um, and I think Ireland, uh, in fairness, they kept the good wine till till last uh, and pulled out their best performance by some distance. Uh, against England in uh, in that final game, and I think it has finished the season uh, with great optimism. And if if the way we played against England, particularly in that last hour, is the way we're going to play in the future, then I think it's I think we can be quite up to I think we can be quietly optimistic about what is ahead. I think we've been a little I think I think twenty twenty one has been quite a quite a change in terms of the way rugby has been played. I mean, you only have to go back as far as last autumn uh, for the the Autumn Nations Cup, which was a very forgettable competition. Suddenly, fast forward into 2021, and I think it was one of the best Six Nations tournaments that we've had in recent years, uh, led primarily by the French and what they're trying to do and the way they're playing. But everybody, everybody, with the honourable exception of Italy, really had their moments, played some very good rugby. Carwin James, he was coach of the, the Lions to New Zealand in 1971. He was one of the most cerebral of all coaches. And he once said that rugby, although it is a physical contact sport, rugby should be more about inspiration than perspiration. And I think rugby in just recent years seems to have been more about perspiration. But I think just what we've seen so far this year, I think it looks like there's a little bit more inspiration coming back into the game.
0: How do you kind of like to see Ireland play? What is your preferred kind of style of rugby, Ali? Well, I
1: mean, I, 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 would, I would certainly, and I think I would speak for most of my generation, would be extremely happy if, if the way Ireland played against England, particularly in that last hour, it was fastball, uh, 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 it was attack the gain line, uh, it was offloading. Uh, so I, I think if that's the way that Ireland are going to play in the future, I don't think anybody will have any complaints.
2: Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again, and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway, keeping Ireland connected. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Senior Times.
0: So, Ollie, just want to go back a little bit, um, back to your days of Malahide and even before uh, Malahide um, rugby seemed to have been in your blood from from the get go you know weren't both your parents they were big fans of rugby
1: well they were I mean first of all as I suppose growing up in Malahide was <coughs> as I always say I mean growing up in Malahide was like growing up in a playground uh, for those who know it I, I grew up on the Mall which is just opposite the, the Grand Hotel and right across the road uh, from, the, from, uh, from our house the family home was the tennis club. 500 yards to the right-hand side was the old Malahide uh, uh, golf club, the nine-hole golf club. Uh, about a 10-minute walk down on the Dublin roads, the left side was the Malahide Cricket Club. Uh, in our house, we overlooked the estuary. There was the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the Malahide Castle, uh, the domain for walk, the history. So Oh, it was uh, growing up. As I said, growing up in Malahide was like growing up in a playground. Uh, I had a blissful, a blissful and uh, carefree and uh, childhood growing up. Uh, growing up there, the first international my dad brought me to was Ireland against Wilson Winnery's All Blacks uh, in Lansdowne Road, December 1963, and I was in awe of these giants in the all-black outfit with the silver fern, uh, with the number one, they, number one being full-back, Don Clark. They they numbered at that time from full-back to, to to front row. And we lost 6-5. Uh, and 20 years, so I was bitten by the bug. Mm, there's, a, there's an old saying, something like, in every childhood there's a moment where a door opens and lets the future in. And that was that day. It was one of the defining days of my life. And that was that day I was hooked
0: on rugby. And Ollie, you started playing uh, rugby in Belvedere College. And indeed, the Campbell family has a long association with the school and particularly with rugby in the school. So in terms of, of, of Belvedere and the background, yeah, my <coughs> my...
1: My, mater- my maternal grandmother is the only mother in the history of the school to have presented the Leinster Senior Schools Cup twice, which she did <laughs> to, to my uncle, her eldest son, Seamus, Seamus Henry, who is my, my uncle and godfather. He was captain of the 1938 Cup winning team, um, and Beverley then won it again. Eight years later, in 1946, when her youngest son uh, Michael was the captain, so uh, she actually presented it twice. So my my uh, my my association with this school goes back really to the twenties when my uncle Seamus would have first would have first gone there. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so there, there there is a long 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 history there. My dad always said, my, my 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 maternal grandparents, their wedding present to my parents was the family home in Malahide. Wow. So <laughs> my dad all, always used to say to us, as we were kids growing up, that your grandparents ha- have pay- paid for your education. I mean, there was four boys and a girl. So the four boys, we all went to Belvedere and my dad would not have been able to afford to send us to Belvedere if he had a mortgage, but he never had a mortgage. So wow. while we were kids, and my, as I say it was one of my dad's mantras, reminders of this, it didn't. It was in one ear, it was out the other. But as you grow a little bit older and these start coming back, I mean, you suddenly realise, whoa, wow, yes. Uh,
0: our grandparents did, in actual fact, pay for our education in, uh, in Belvedere. And you won, uh, not one, but two uh, Senior Cup titles with Belvedere, is that correct? Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. Um, so Belvedere have actually won uh, the Cup 12 times. We're actually, we're actually in second place on the all-time roster uh, behind Black Rock in terms of, of n- numbers of Senior Cups. And uh, so yes, I was on the I was I I, I was on the uh, on the team in '71 when we beat uh, Prez Bray in the final with a try by our winger Tommy O'Shea, with about three minutes to go. Uh, that was in '71, and then we beat Terry in in the final in uh, in '72. Now the only match I played in 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 the only cup match I played in throughout the whole of '71 was actually the final. The out half, a guy called T- uh, Tony Duan, uh, he got injured in the final minute in the semi final against Terranure. And that was the only reason why I. So the only match of that, cup, of that cup campaign that I played in was actually in the final. But we played Terranure in the final in 72. In, uh, in guy, believe it or believe it not, we had never beaten Terranure. Uh, we had been playing them twice a year. Every year from under nines, and we had never beaten them. We lost, we got hammered as under nines, under tens.
0: We lost 44 nil, three point tries. And lucky to get the nil. Absolutely lucky to get the nil. <laughs> in, our,
1: in our final match, in our final year, we lost at home 25 3. Uh, five tries to nil. Right, and that was that was December of of '71, uh, and that was that was our last match before before, uh, before Christmas. And so we we scraped our way through to the final. We beat uh, we beat St Mary's in the first round in Donnybrook at 10-8. We beat Pres Bray in the quarter final, 9-0. We beat High School in the semi final, 8-4. And so we we end up playing Terenur in the final. Gary, after 20 minutes, it's 10 points to three. Two tries to nil, and here we go again. It was just a, a replica of every other meeting that we had ever had with Terenur since we first started playing them as the
0: nines. At this stage in the match, Ali, were they on top in every respect? Uh, were you were you staring defeat Absol- in the face? A- 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 absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Gerry Flannery, who was their winger, who was a sprint an Irish sprint champion, uh, he got away at ten three, but our scrum half Frank Quinn, who went on to win three cups for Ireland on the wing, made the most magnificent tackle out of nowhere, uh, and that. That just kept us in it. We got to half time. It was 10 9 at half time. And we end up, Terenure never scored another point after going up 10 3. We ended up winning 20 points to 10.
0: How amazing is that? It is, it is one of the mysteries of our lives. A lot of that
1: would have come from the belief. And the 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 belief of our coach Jim Moran that we may we may we may talk about at at, at some time. Uh, interestingly, interestingly, we were due to have a friendly in January in Terenure, having lost the whole match just before just before December. But he actually cancelled that in case we met in the final. Mm, now clever. there was nobody. There was nobody at the time. We had a good team, but not a great team. Uh, And very few, nobody would have predicted that we would have got to the final. So, but he just just thought, just in case we ended up playing turnier in the final, he cancelled the return friendly.
0: So this was a man, this was a man who who clearly had a strategic way of thinking, uh, because I know that he... Didn't he write you a letter uh, shortly after you left school, around the time you left school, suggesting yes, something to
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Run with the ball in two hands. Uh, <laughs> passing is the defining skill of rugby. That's the skill you have to perfect. Rugby is like an international language. It's like having an international passport. Rugby is not an end in itself. Rugby is just a means to an end. The end being the people we meet and the friends that you make. You can judge someone's genius uh, by what they do off the ball just as as much by what they do with the ball. These These are all sort of comments mantras of his he was he was like our aristotle and our socrates all mm. rolled into one he was a real a real philosopher and he opened my eyes to the possibilities of the game um he gave me my first book on rugby uh, bob scott on rugby bob scott was recently in the last decade he was a fullback for the all blacks back in the 40s and 50s He was recently, in the last decade, named as the sixth best All Black of all time. So, Jim Bowen gave me a loan of that, Bob Scott on rugby. And the, the opening sentence, the first sentence of the first chapter is attack is the science, the essence, and the art of rugby football. So, that was my introduction to the written word of rugby. And he also says in it that it was was a game of, rugby is a game of the mind. So that was all, this all came from Jim Moran. There is another man, Gary, if I can mention. Yeah. uh, Jim Moran was actually originally from Ballina. So he was my coach, finally here in school. There is another man called Ollie Burke. He's actually a brother of Mary Robinson and also from Ballina. He's a doctor. And I had him as coach uh, for the Leinster under 19s. My first year out of school, and he was another man who had a remarkable, remarkable influence uh, on on my career. Whereas Jim was the philosopher, Ollie Burke was more the practical one. Um, he 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 coached he coached Ballina for a decade. They won they won at least one trophy every year during his time including the Connaught Senior uh, Cup, even though Bell and I were only a junior club at the time. Uh, he emigrated to New Zealand about 30 years ago, and he coached South Canterbury under-16s to win the South Canterbury Championship for the first time in their history, beating Canterbury, who had three all, future All-Blacks in, the, in, their, in their team. So between between... He's, he's absolutely a man that should have coached Ireland. Um, so between the philosopher of Jim Moore my, in my last year in school and the practical one, Ollie Burke, my first year out of school, Gary, I can honestly say with no exaggeration whatsoever, had it not been for the influence of those two men, I would never have played for Ireland.
0: Okay, well, you did uh, make your debut for Ireland in January 1976 against Australia, aged 21. Uh, your your first, I think, of 22 caps. And uh, I know it didn't work out exactly as you would have hoped, did it, on the day? Uh, it certainly didn't, uh, Gary, no. And I,
1: I'm, I'm the first to admit, hand up, I wasn't ready. It all happened too quickly. Um, I had paid for all Bevedere, six weeks before. That that was, that was, that was uh, the, the level I was at. I'm 21 years of age. Gary, in the team photograph, uh, myself and John Robbie, as was tradition in those days, uh, the halfbacks would always I don't know how the uh, tradition ever started and continued, would sit on the ground with legs crossed at the feet of those sitting down. You, you know that image? Mm, yes. So I'm, I'm 21 and Johnny is 20. Uh, I'm eleven stone two, and Johnny, is, I'm I'm the heavier of the two. We look like the two mascots. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's that background that. So it, it it was a disappointing day. We lost the match. We lost. I well, I think it was twenty points to ten. I think I actually missed. Four kicks out of four. So I had, a, I, as I've been saying ever since, I had a hundred percent record. Four <laughs> out of four. For the only time in my life, Mike Gibson was the captain, and he replaced me as place kicker. Johnny took Johnny took over as place kicker. It had, It never happened again. So it wasn't exactly what you would call a dream debut. And uh, it was the only, I started playing rugby on the bevel under nines as an eight-year-old. And I retired, which we might come to, with chronic hamstring uh, problems 21 years later. And the only team I was ever dropped from was after my debut. And I was dropped for three and a half years.
0: (laughs) Yes, and those three and a half years, um, obviously, they were eventful in the sense uh, that a uh, certain Tony Ward got into uh, got into first gear, and he was obviously, as you well know, a big, big uh, star and a crowd favourite. European Player of the Year in '78 and '79. Yes,
1: uh, I remember being asked. Uh, it was one of those matches during that uh, period, and I was with a man from Belvedere, and Wardy was playing. I'm in my in that in that three year period. And he said to me, "What are you going to do?" And I, I, I said, "What do you mean? What are you going to do? Well, are you going to are you going to consider maybe playing in the centre or even full back? I mean, the out-half place is gone, uh, And so that was so, that, so. So that was that was uh, in that three-year period. One thing I have to uh, say that I. <laughs> Eleven stone to my first gap. so I realised uh, that I, I I needed to I needed to fill out, I needed to train. So with the incredible help and guidance and support of a man called Phil Conway, he was the PE teacher in Belvedere. He was an Olympian. He threw the shot put for Ireland in the Munich Olympics. And with him, he devised. Uh, we devised a three-year training program which included weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This would be in the off-season now. Weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday and interval training Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And that was my staple diet for the off-season of which there was an official off-season in those days where you, there was no rugby played in May, June, July and August. So as 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 unprepared as I was uh, to play international rugby as a 21-year-old in 76 in 79 um, when the call came I I was ready uh, I was I was I had endlessly practiced I had endlessly done uh, my uh, religiously stuck with my the the
0: program uh, that Phil had set out for me And so so I was ready. So you're with Ireland on tour in Australia, and Tony Ward is number one, and you are number two, or so you thought. To to have been selected on that squad
1: was enough for me uh, at that time. Just I was back in the fold. Uh, We had beaten uh, Queensland on the Tuesday before the Sunday test, the first test, um and we had beaten them after the hooter 18:15 and as far as I was concerned that was my test my I had made my contribution to the tour following day we take, get the bus to uh, the gold coast and the team were in st J- st joseph's school were in the dressing room jack coffee the t- team manager is just about to read the team out and over to me came Tony Ward has said, congratulations, Holly, you're in. Now, Gary, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, there had been some speculation that they, they, on the tour, that they might play Tony and myself together, Tony at half and me in the centre. But it had been mentioned. So uh, I listened for the team, and the only name I heard was my own. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. it was. It was so out. We went and we did our team, our warm up together as a as a, as a group, as a team, as a squad. And guy, it was only when we split up into fours and backs that I realised I had been selected at out half. Wow! And whoa, what a shock to the system that was. Nobody, nobody. Was more surprised than I was. So, but I felt I felt ready, and so I I got my I got a, a notebook, I got a pen, I had a Walkman. You would remember what a Walkman was? I do indeed. I didn't leave except for training. I didn't leave the bedroom uh, between that day uh, and the test match on the Sunday. I wrote myself copious notes listening to Billy Joel's the stranger the album uh, time and time and time and time again I was rooming with paul mcnaughton i I don't think I had a conversation with Paul over the four or five the, the four days but I just things to, I wrote down things to do things not to do and I just got into uh, the, the the zone as as it would be described now and against all the odds, against all the odds. Uh, we actually we beat Australia, I think it was 27-19, uh, which was, which was a, a complete shock to everyone in the rugby world because that Australian team had actually beaten the All Blacks mm. in their previous game in uh, so, some months beforehand. So, that was, uh, so that, was, uh, that was that story. So we had the second test the following weekend in Sydney, which we won 9-3. And uh, the rest, as they say, is, uh, is history. Noel Murphy was the coach of that team. So the, the triumvirate that actually picked the, uh, made the selections uh, were Jack Coffey, the manager, uh, Fergus Flattery, who was the captain, and, and Noel Murphy himself. Noel has always said he was outvoted. Right. That's, uh, he's always said it was uh, it was two it was two to one but every single time I have met Noel Murphy or I've spoken to him at functions at funerals whatever it might be in the intervening 40 years he always says exactly the same thing he said Ollie uh, if that had if that selection hadn't worked he says he himself he said he says he would now be an Australian citizen <laughs>
0: I know it was a massive, massive issue at the time and, uh, you know, the story being uh, that, that the actual story itself dislodged uh, a story about the Pope who was uh, coming to Ireland, as you know, in, in, uh, in September of that year. Uh, And so you relegated the Pope body. It was such a massive story. And I know it was a big, big, uh, you know, traumatic one for the man. You ousted to, as you you well know. How did you feel about it? Because you were quite friendly with Tony, and you must have trained a lot with Tony Ward as well.
1: We we were. uh, Our our rivalry, I mean, as I've been, uh, and I think Tony would agree, I mean, I I know he agrees, that our, our rivalry was, it was purely sporting. It was never personal. It was never personal, and we have actually become great friends uh, over the years, and we are in regular and constant contact up to this day. And uh, so it, it, it's it's we, we have been we have been joined at the hip ever since ever since that time. <laughs> uh, we've been joined at the hip. It's really people actually really find it very hard to mention one name. Without also mentioning the other, but you mentioned you mentioned about uh, I, when 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 we came home from uh, back from the tour, the old editor president at the time had a party in honor of me, uh, which turned out to be a, this is your life, and actually fact that this is your Australian life because my because very unusually. Uh, it's not absolutely uniquely, but very unusually, my three caps were all against Australia. So mm-hmm. there was, uh, so it was a "This is your life" uh, on me, which was, which was, uh, which was a very, very moving experience. But as I fl- flicked through it then, and it's it's actually now in in old Beaver, in my club, and uh, the, the headline—it was in the Irish Press—and you're you're not wrong when you say that the actual headline was uh, Ward out, Campbell in and the sub headline was the announcement that the pope would be visiting ireland uh, in september of that year so that's <laughs> so that and this was really at a time when rugby was really uh, back page back page uh, news um, and and even a minority back page news and sports news only but that's that's how how big a uh, that's a bigger uh, a shock and event that it was at the time. I think you've another. I think in, uh, important point to make. Australia was a long way away at that time. There was no internet. There was no mobile phones. No, no, no real form of of, of easy communication. So to be honest, I had I had. Absolutely no idea at all, in any way, shape, or form, as to the controversy that this was causing at home. Uh, so I was, I was protected. I was protected from that, and it was, it was, it was only when we came back, uh, and ever since, that just realised just what, what, what a big decision it was.
0: Well, the ultimate kind of legacy of the Ward Campbell debate. Uh, was that obviously you were in you were a great player for Ireland and they were justified because a obviously you won in in Australia but also uh, three years later 82 in the triple crown uh what are your memories of of that of that uh, series because I know that you were coming uh, off the back of a disappointing uh run the previous year in the five nations uh, in 1981 so when you went into 82, uh, was there optimism in the air, or was there a sense of? of oh, guy,
1: far, far, far from us. Uh, we had lost seven and drawn one of the previous eight games mm. as we headed into the nineteen eighty uh, to five nations, as it was, as it was at the time. So when we beat Wales, uh, I mean Wales. This was, you know, not long, not long after the crowning years, which is really the term that's used to describe the Welsh decade of the 70s. So winning, beating Wales was, 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 was. Uh, uh, that was at the time that was still a big deal, but nobody, but nobody was talking about championships. Was talking about triple crowns. It was just. It was just the sheer relief that we had ended our, uh, lo- that, that losing sequence. Um, interestingly, throughout that losing sequence, Tommy Kiernan was our coach, one of the most influential mm. rugby people in the history of Irish rugby. As a player, as a captain, as a coach, as an administrator. Uh, we, Tommy. One of Tommy's visions was the Heineken Cup, which he was talking about in the early 80s. Wow. Throughout that time and that of that, that period, so Tommy, in his first eight matches as Irish coach, we had drawn one and lost seven. But throughout that time, he was like a rock, and he kept on repeating that if there was a Lions tour, that there will be more. Irish on it than any other country. Now whether he, and I think he genuinely actually did believe that. So but Tommy was so, he was such a rock. He was such a rock. He never got overexcited when we won, when we eventually did. Uh, but he never, he never got uh, uh, discouraged when we lost. So uh, Tommy, Tommy was, uh, Tommy is a unique unique, unique man in, in the history of Irish rugby. So we so we we beat Wales, um, and suddenly suddenly uh, we 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 we've won a match, and then two weeks later we beat England uh, in Twickenham 16-15 with Ginger Lachlan's favourite try, I think, uh, famous try. I think it's 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 I think it's up there in the pantheon of one of one of the one of the great tries and unique tries in the history of Irish rugby, well, certainly of 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 recent, if I can use that term, uh, as it is so long ago now. So suddenly, suddenly, two weeks later, we're playing Scotland for Triple Crown, mm. and that's how that's how quickly it all happens, literally within four weeks. Uh, and uh, we, knew, we knew there was something happening, something. I mean, at that time, nobody, very, very, very few people actually came and watched us training. And in between beating England and playing the Scottish match uh, on the Sunday in between, we trained in Wanderers and something like 500 people turned up. And this was, uh, and we're being asked for our autographs. This was, uh, <laughs> so this, this, this was, uh, so I mean, historically, I mean, my my mum and dad, Gary, uh, even though they didn't know each other at the time, were both in Ravenhill on March the 13th, 1948, when Ireland won its first Grand Slam. It was my mum's 25th birthday. That's how she decided to spend it. My that subsequently met, and I was weaned on the exports of Jack Kyle. So to be on the next team, uh, it was uh, the next team. So that was it was 33 years between uh, the 49, which uh, the Grand Slam 48, Triple Crown in in 49, and so that was it was 33 years uh, later, 1982. It was only Ireland's fifth. Triple Crown in its history at the time. And it was actually the first ever in Lansdowne Road.
0: I remember the day well. uh, On the 20th of February, 1982, uh, 21-12, I think in Ireland's favour, I think you scored all the points, as far as I can uh, remember. Uh, And it was an incredibly exciting day and rugby fever was in the air. And there's no question. I know that there was... Uh, a month between that game and the game against France in Paris, and you, you know, were in a great position to to do the Grand Slam. Uh, what was your memory of of that day in uh, Paris?
1: Okay, well, um, I think as Moss uh, Keen uh, always said, I uh, said whatever chance we might have had of winning a Grand Slam if the match was two weeks later. He said, because of all the celebrations that were going on, we had absolutely no chance of winning it a month later, which, in actual fact, was, was, was the case. I think one thing that... Uh, yeah. Um, there was a man called Jimmy Smith um, from Black from BlackRock. And he came up to me outside the Hotel San Lazare, is where we were staying on the night we lost. Right? And we were disappointed. And he came over to me. It was about midnight. He'd had a couple of drinks, but no more. And he said, "Ollie, will you do me one favor? And I, said, I, will, of course. I said, will you please tell the team that me and all the Irish supporters, we came to Paris this weekend not to win a Grand Slam, but to celebrate winning the Triple Crown. Mm. And it was just the most magnificent thing, the most generous thing. Thing that anybody could ever say, and so that's one of my memories of that. And instantly, it put things in some perspective. I think what's uh, in the lead up to that match, France had actually played three and lost three. Yeah. So they actually they brought back all the heavies, uh, experienced players, uh, because they they desperately they did not want to. Uh, Go four out of four, so they brought back. Now we did have a chance uh, about midway through the first half. We did have a chance. I think we were winning six three. We did have a chance of scoring a try, which we missed. And suddenly it was like we were playing against twenty Frenchmen with their tails up, and playing France in Paris in the spring with their tails up. Uh, the game was we we uh, that that was that was this. Um, but it was Jimmy Smith's comment uh, that that uh, that made that weekend for me. That look, this was all the the Triple Crown at the time was was the real was the real story and uh, of, of of that season rather rather than missing a Grand Slam. Although as the years have gone by, of course, oh, we did have a chance of a Grand Slam, and but just at the time, I think it was really all about the about the Triple Crown.
2: Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again, and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway, keeping Ireland connected.
0: Oli, can I ask you a little bit about uh, the Lions tours as well? Because I know you were on two Lions tours uh, in 1980 in South Africa and in 1983 in New Zealand. What are your What are your memories of, of South Africa? Okay, well, <clears throat> South Africa was.
1: Um, we actually. The, if we'd won the first test, if we'd won the first test, uh, that whole tour would have taken on a completely different, different, uh, different complexion. Mm-hmm. I think the final score, I mean, Wardy, Wardy played in it because I pulled a hamstring. out. Davis had, had broken a collarbone. Uh, Tony had come out, kicked a record 18 points in the first test, uh, which I was obviously thrilled, uh, with. And, uh, so, uh, so th- th- we lost. I think it was 23, 22, I think, if memory serves me right. Um, we won it. We won all the non-test matches, which is which is an event in itself. I mean, it's it's not many Lions tours have done that. There are others. We won the final test, uh, but it was it was uh, it was a disappointing tour because it did promise so much but it just didn't quite fulfill its promise. It shows you how long ago it is, Gary. Now, believe it or not, a man called Jack Matthews was the doctor uh, on the team. He he was a lion from 1950. He was the first doctor officially to be appointed to go on a lion's tour. I pulled a hamstring in the first week in training. And you know what he gave me as a cure? He gave me a zoob, which is a lozenger sweet, to suck on. That was his, that, so that, and so I'm not making that up. That is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely true. So uh, it was. So it the 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 career that I had. It was it was uh, in the amateur. It was in the amateur era, and there are there are examples of how amateur it was with when things when things like that uh, can happen.
0: Ollie, how did you feel about the kind of the furore about about going to South Africa and all of the media coverage and the issue of apartheid? How did you feel at that time about it?
1: Well, look. Uh, embarrassed would be a word that I would use at this stage because I, I was so wrapped up in just playing rugby that I, those issues, I mean, it's, 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 I was 24, 25 years of age. It is no defense. It is absolutely no defense at all, but I just wanted to play rugby. And that was, and I say it's, 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 it's no defense, uh, uh, at all. Um, but I, I, I was just, yeah. I mean, I know John Robbie, who I think you've interviewed recently, yes. has has always referred to him as a stain uh, on on his life. And that I honestly I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but more, more, more embarrassment that I I was so oblivious mm-hmm. to that whole issue. Uh, all I wanted to do, innocently, in my absolute innocence, was just, just, just to play rugby. Moving on then, for me, for me, touring New Zealand, I mean, I had read everything I could get my hands on, biographies, tours, uh, found out about New Zealand. So to be touring New Zealand was, was, was although the rugby was disappointing, we were whitewashed in, in, in the test series. Uh, touring New Zealand in 83 was one of the great experiences of my life, uh, um, it was uh, uh, playing in grounds that you'd only ever ever read about, uh, like uh, Lancaster Park in Christchurch, um, uh, in 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 Dunedin, um, in Athletic Park in Wellington, Eden Park uh, in Auckland, and. It was, uh, it was, so it was a mixed experience, fantastic experience in terms of actually touring with, uh, with the Lions, but on, on, from a, a pure rugby point of view. We lost the, test, the first, uh, first uh, Test match. We lost 16-12, uh, a match we should and could have won, and similar to the Lions tour to South Africa three years earlier. It, if we had won that, the whole tour again would have just taken on a completely different, uh, different complexion. Sure. Um, uh, but I suppose while New Zealand was at the very start of my my whole infatuation with rugby, nine years of age, back in '63, Lansdowne Road, I scored a try against Waikato in the second last game um, with a, with a, what I would describe as a Mike Gibson type dummy scored a try, but as I scored it, I pulled a hamstring. I played in the final test with a bandage, but shouldn't have to come off, but that was almost the beginning and the end, the beginning of the end of my rugby career. Uh, I did play two matches of the following Six Nations in 84, uh, but but basically didn't, that was the beginning of the end of my rugby career. Um, so that it it was bookended fairly fairly nicely between I say the All Blacks at the start and the All Blacks virtually virtually at the end as well.
0: Yeah, well, there's a certain kind of uh, I suppose uh, poetry to it, and it's uh, in its own way. But obviously, it must have been incredibly hard for you, uh, still a relatively young man, to to. To accept that that you had an injury that was going to mitigate against a ropey, your international rugby career. I mean, how did you feel about that? Gary, it was
1: heartbreaking. Uh, the one silver lining, I mean, you, you would. The one silver lining it's a team game. It's all about the team. I would. I would to have even won one test in New Zealand at that time. Um, the one silver lining, I mean. <clears throat> At the, end, at the end, every, every year, the, the, there's a New Zealand uh, almanac that, that selects its five or six uh, players of the year. So two of my great heroes, uh, Jack Kyle in 1950, had been named as one of the five or six players of, of the year. Barry John in 1971. Uh, one journalist during that tour had actually written of Barry John that he was so elusive that if you ran through a... Field of daffodils, nobody would know. So two of my graders, So the silver lining for me, and I, uh, I've, uh, nobody, I've never really said this before, but one silver lining was that I, I was also named uh, uh, after that tour that year as one, of the, as one of the five or six players of the year in New Zealand as well. So that is something. The New Zealanders know their rugby. And that is something. Despite the disappointment of the actual rugby we played on the tour, that's something that I will I will certainly take uh, take to my grave with me. But guy, in terms of yeah, I was 29 years of age. Um, it's a very easy thing for me to say, but I, I my best years were ahead of me, so I have to say that it was. Uh, it was it was uh, disappointing, would be putting it mildly. Uh, it was uh, extraordinary disappointing to be to have been to have have had a career uh, just coming coming to my peak. Uh, as I say, it's an easy thing to say that my best years were me, but that is that is my belief. And so it was um, it was. Uh, it took it took a long time to come to terms with this. Um, in fact, my my psychologist and I have my tongue in cheek when I say this. My mm-hmm. my my psychologist has recently said to me that I'm beginning to deal with this reasonably well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, it's it's uh, it's it it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Um, but I'm not I'm not i I'm not I'm not the first uh, to have gone through. Uh, an experience like that won't be the last. It's all part of the game, but it was—it uh, was, yeah, it was. I was far too young, um, and still had plenty. And I imagined in my in my own mind, uh, playing, even playing for some of the Belvo junior sides. Well into my well into my forties or my fifties, I often tell the story about Stanley Matthews, who would have been like the sort of the, the Jack Kyle of the English soccer. The yeah. He he played the t- at the top division. He played top division, which was division one a long time before the premiership. He he was 51 years of age. Yeah. yeah, I know. Playing at the top level. And to his dying day, he reckoned he actually retired two years too soon. So in, <laughs> my, own, in, in, in my own mind... Uh, now i i not was only playing international rugby or representative rugby or probably even for the first team in Old there but in my in my dreams, i would just I would just be playing away until until into my 50s but unfortunately that was that was not to be the man above had other plans
0: you talk about Jackie Kyle and so on and my teenage years of playing rugby uh, you know I was a huge fan, and I was a huge fan of yours, and I was, a, you know, obviously a huge fan of Tony Ward. I was a conflicted man inside. You don't know what you've done to me, um, but, um, but 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 uh, you know, the, the the memories are incredible, and even watching watching the stuff on YouTube and the reruns and so on. And I've said it to other people, and I really believe it. You know, you talk about Jack Kyle. You you're pretty much in the same territory to me as as Jack Kyle in every respect as a player and kind of as a, as a, as a person as well. Uh, you, you seem to be very, very uh, smart, bright man. And I'm not just deliberately blowing smoke up your backside. I don't even know you, but I've heard so much of what you've said and even what you said today. You know, you, you seem to be somebody with, with uh, dare I say, it, with, with a lot going on, you know, in, in your, your outlook to life.
1: Oh well, guys. I mean, to to be to be uh, well. Thank you for thank you for uh, what you said there. Now that that's I'm um, you've completely taken me uh, uh, by surprise. I don't like, miss I, my I, words. I, no, no, no. And, and thank you. And I, I I'm, I'm extremely grateful. I mean, I have to mention uh, before we wrap up. I mean, you mentioned the one and only Jack Kyle. I mean used to say about Jack Kyle that he had had three speeds, fast, very fast, and very, very fast. (laughs) Um, As I mentioned earlier, my mum and dad were both in Ravenhill, March 13th, 1948, when they won the grandstand. So I was weaned on Jack Kyle. Gary, I'll never forget the, the, the first time I saw Jack Kyle. I was 19 years of age. I'm standing outside, I'm at the, I'm at the, the, the railway crossing just outside Lansdowne Road, and I see him, and he's weaving his way through the crowd into the turnstiles, and he's gone. And it was like I had seen a vision. I, I was stuck to the spot for 10 minutes, and mm-hmm. I didn't move. <laughs> I had seen Jack Kyle. Less than a decade later, probably about seven or eight years later, I actually met Jack Kyle for the first time inside Lansdowne Road in the committee rooms under the old west stand after a Irish training session and Gary was like a spiritual experience mm-hmm. um, and it says everything about Jack Kyle, that any time we met subsequently it was never much less than a spiritual experience he was just such a saintly man uh, and one of the most fascinating and charming intelligent men that I've ever met uh, it's 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 a it's a, a well worn cliche that you shouldn't meet your heroes. But my God, am I so I'm so blessed yes. that I met Jack
0: i I'm afraid we are just about to run out of time. But there is one thing that I want to uh, just ask you about, uh, or uh, celebrate really more than ask you about. I know that um, Belvedere playing Anglesey Road and so on, and. It has really been renamed Ollie Campbell Park. I mean, that must be a great legacy for you,
1: Gary. I'm, it's 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 nearly two years now, and um, I'm still getting my head around that. Um, I, I I every time I think I have got I'm comfortable, every time I think. I, it's it's sitting on me nicely. All it takes, all it takes, is something like this for you to even mention it, and I realise I'm I'm not even close. I'm not even close. The guy whose brain it was uh, is uh, is the chairman of Obeyder, a man called James McCarthy, who is the son of Jim McCarthy, mm. of Grand Slam and Triple Grand Slam. Okay. They used to refer to him as Jack Kyle's outrider. <laughs> so James is—he's—he's—he's a—he he's, he's a, has a—he is a very creative mind. He's always thinking outside the the, uh, the nine dots. When he put it to me, when he put it to me, um, he said uh, he he could see. Uh, I mean, it was such a surprise. He could he could see, but he said, "Look, Ollie, it's." He said, "It's going to happen anyway." But well, we would just like to do it while you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, so that was, that was, uh, that was my memory of the, the, the moment when that came. That, uh, um, what can I say? It's, it's, it's um, not something that anybody would ever think for even one second. Uh, so I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it, and and I am very grateful every time I drive in. I I offer offer up my thanks, but it's it's uh, it's 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 an it's an it's an extraordinary honour. It's an
0: extraordinary honour. Um, I think they should they should put in uh, in brackets beside it uh, a genius by Samuel Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> Just beside.
1: Us. Okay, well, 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 uh, well, well. Thank you. I think I think far from it. I think far from it. But uh, but it's it's. Uh, I suppose it will be uh, timely if we're wrapping up now. Just uh, and we've we sort of have stumbled across uh, Jack Kyle in this conversation right at the end of it. Is probably fitting. One of his lovely, lovely uh, phrases that he he used to say was, uh, "Gary, I played with." Lots of great players. Uh, I was very lucky to play with some really, really good teams. Uh, absolutely blessed with some of the captains I played under, like Fergus Slattery, Kieran Fitzgerald, John Robbie, Bill Bowman. Uh, blessed with some of the coaches. I've mentioned the two, Ollie Burke, Jim Moore, and Ollie Burke. Uh, Noel Murphy, Tom Kearney, who both played for Ireland that match in '63. Um, so I, I've been I've been blessed. Uh, so in terms of of a familiar, uh, 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 what's the word? Phrase uh, or emotion by by Jack Kyle that we should all be grateful for the past, which I am, enthusiastic about the present, and confident. About the
0: future. Ollie, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gary. I look forward to meeting you face to face sometime. Absolutely, and we will. And that was the legend that is Ali Campbell. Today's Senior Times podcast was recorded and produced by Mark Murphy and presented by me, Gary Cook.